Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th. Hey, fanatics, it's Jake Marin, and I'm here with the one and only Claire Kramer. Hello, everyone. This is a mini-sode. Yes, we are here to talk about the eight-part series, Jury Duty. Jake, I don't have to tell you, or maybe I do, how funny I thought this was. This show is such a pleasure to watch. I always am on the hunt for, like, good, consumable, easy content to relax at the end of the day. And I breezed through this series. It was hilarious. It called back to sort of the mockumentary Christopher Guest, who I'm a huge fan of, Uh you know, and a little bit like self-deprecation. It was very enjoyable. Very. I highly recommend. Thumbs up from Claire. (laughs) Thumbs up from Claire and thumbs up from Jake because the show's a delight. And really, it's just one of the things like Claire mentioned that's just a fun watch. And we break it all down right now with one of the producers, the very funny, very cool Nicholas Haddon. So get ready, fanatics, for an excellent mini-sode. All right, Nicholas, I'm so stoked to talk about jury duty, but first and foremost, why is James Marsden so lovable? Oh, he's, I mean, being unspeakably attractive, I think is probably one of the things. I note that almost every time I talk about him and that's slightly creepy of me, but he's, he's hella good looking. He's a lovely bloke. He's just a really likable, nice human being. He's very grounded. He doesn't have a lot of the trappings that people might associate with Hollywood stars. He loves the work and he was just so excited and enthusiastic about doing this thing that he had never, uh, doing this thing that he'd never done before. And having the opportunity to just go in there and go nuts and see what happens and essentially operating without a safety net, I think really thrilled him. And because of that, because of his joy of the process, his joy in the work, it made him a joy to work with. That's sort of James, really. Did you have any experience? And I know, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm assuming people are familiar with the show. So there's a certain, you know, twist to the whole thing. But did you have any experience actually serving on a jury or what did you draw from in terms of the show? I have to share that I was once a foreman on a jury. So Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I very much very enjoyed. <laughs> well, and I took that very seriously. So I'm just curious, like, how did this materialize for you? The whole the whole premise? So the premise originally actually came from uh, some of my fellow producers, uh, Todd Shulman and David Bernard, uh, kicking around some ideas. And they essentially came up with an idea was, if you took The Office, for example, a sitcom, and what if you put them on the main characters and replaced them with a real person? 
<laughs> do you think you could make that as a TV show? And on top of that, what if you gave them a hero's journey? Like what happens if they had a goal and they had a final moment? And what if that looked a bit like 12 Angry Men, like Henry Fonda standing up for what's right, even if everyone else just wants to go home and convict a guy? Mm-hmm. Could we do that in real life? And then they met up with uh, Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepnitsky, two of the great writers and producers of The Office. And lo and behold, that's how the idea came about. Mm-hmm. For me, once they had the idea, like, well, we need some maniac to actually try and make it. And that's <laughs> yeah. where I sort of came in. I was summoned for jury duty the week before we started shooting, but I oh. was never actually called in. So that, that would have been terrifying if I had to do that. But we actually, in terms of the rules, it's really important you, you mentioned being a four person. So for example, you could have never been uh, on our show. You could never right. have been a Ronald because explicitly when we were finding folks to be our hero, one of the conditions was you could not have served on a jury before. The reason being, if you have served on a jury, if you're with us within 48 hours, you're like, what are you doing? This isn't meant to happen. That's a strange legal procedure that's happening right here. I mean, even our final verdict, when we told Ronald, you have to get, you know, it has to be unanimous, man. I'm sorry, that's a lot of pressure, but it's got to be unanimous. In a civil case in California, absolutely not true. Complete lie, complete fabrication. It just needs to be a simple majority. But yeah, so we had we had some of the rules of the call and then other stuff we sort of just fudged for dramatic and comedic effect. Which is the beauty of uh, film and television, by the way. <laughs> and the people you brought in, I mean, you know, first off, Kirk Fox, I love, you know, his stand up. He's a hilarious guy. He's just a funny guy. Great. But the fact that you brought in Ike Barinholtz's dad, Alan, right? Like yes. he was a lawyer for years and you brought him in as a judge. What was that like for him to go from a real lawyer to a fake judge in a profession that his son is already really doing well at? Alan seemed, I'll say this. He seemed to have a bloody great time every single day. He had such a fantastic attitude to shooting. And I really, it it struck me that this was a man who was enjoying an unexpected opportunity. Yes. And just enjoying it for all that it was worth. Because to your point, Alan had been a very successful and storied uh, lawyer in his time. He'd had a full career. He was essentially speaking out of turn. He's sort of in the third act of his own particular story right now. Mm -hmm. And this thing came along, a thing that he was, he was an amateur actor before back in New York. And he basically couldn't, when push came to shove, he chose law. He couldn't balance both of those things. So he gave up the aspirations to act to then go into law. He had a wonderful energy. He really enjoyed every single day. And because of his legal background, he was so helpful to us in terms of guiding proceedings. Because you have to remember that these mm-hmm. folks were in court five to six hours a day. On the TV show, you only see them in court for about seven <laughs> or eight minutes every episode. Every day, five uh-huh. to six hours. And we had to fill that time with legal stuff that kind of makes sense. And so between Judge Allen and then between our incredible lawyers, Evan Williams and Trish Lafash who played lawyers, they are also lawyers themselves in real life, as well as being performers and writers. They basically just vamped between the three of them for hours and hours and on end to basically lull Ronald into a false sense of uh, complacency and almost falling asleep because it was so boring, which is exactly where we wanted it. I mean, I think the best description I've heard of jury duty is, you know, Truman Show meets The Office. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, I'm a big Christopher Guest fan. Mm -hmm. Do you often dive down this 
mockumentary sort of self-deprecating type of content because it's done exceptionally well. And I just am curious about your own personal background with this type of genre. So mockumentaries themselves, not particularly, mm-hmm. but I love them growing up. And I will say Best in Show by Christopher Guest is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen that thing like 28 times. I can quote every other line. They're so talented. And there's a warmth, I think, in his movies as well. It's these oddball characters, but you really earnestly sort of root for most of them, even the more villainous types. Uh-huh. There's such a love and affection you have as a viewer. And I know that that's something we wanted to recreate in the show, much like The Office has. But in Jury Duty, we wanted you to fall in love with our oddball gang of jurors and the one normal guy in the middle of it just trying to herd this gang of cats. And we wanted the the language and the tone, the visual language and the tone to feel like you were watching an episode of The Office or a Chris Guest show. That's exactly what we were aiming mm-hmm. for because we wanted that accessibility for the audience. We wanted that sense of warmth. We wanted it to feel welcoming that you could sit down and invest in these characters. So at the same time, we can then deliver our particular unique spin on things, which is the Truman Show element. Mm-hmm. And so you're watching something which feels familiar, but you're hooked on it because it's this insane other element that is also in there. And yet you're emotionally invested because the characters, I mean, the acting is superb, really. Everyone across the board is superb. And then the finale, I was like very emotionally invested. So how did you get to that point with this content? I mean, I don't know if there's an answer other than just like great choices along the way, casting wise, directing wise, right? You know, it, it just all worked. That's my point. It could have gone wrong. It could have gone wrong so many ways, Nicholas. What was it like to see it go right? So a relief, just the the biggest relief, I would say, (laughs) maybe of my entire life. Other than, again, truthfully, like the birth of my daughter, like all going okay. Those are two moments for me. It was essentially Ronald having a positive reaction to the reveal that he has been Truman showed for the first time in history. That and the fact that my daughter was safe when she was born. Those two things have equal weight, I think, in my emotional (laughs) relief weight in my mind, because you're absolutely right. It could have gone really wrong. And that's where I think the weight of the stress and anxiety and the ethical weight of this show lay was on what happens if this person doesn't have a good time? Then why were we here? Why did you do this? Well, how does the audience feel watching this thing if this, if this dude then turns around and goes like, oh, I didn't, I didn't like this. What have you done? Are you laughing at me? That's a very scary, complicated feeling as you're making it. And so what we tried to do from the very outset was to make it feel like this guy coming out of the experience would have the best time of his life and it would have a story that he would be proud to tell for the rest of his life and that he would know that everyone around him truly loves him for who he is and that we'd never punch down that he's actually in there to sort of help these maniacs around him to solve their particular personal quests and to make all of their lives slightly better by him being a good and decent dude. And because we always set out to do that, every choice we made along the way would try and essentially engineer that outcome and the feeling of when it worked was um, the most profound feeling I, I, I've ever had. And um, just such a relief because Ronald Gladden is living his best life. He's at the ESPYs. He's at the Barbie premiere. He's doing commercials with Ryan Reynolds. He's hanging out with the Breaking Bad guys. And he's still the same dude. He's still the same lovely, patient, empathetic human. And to see him having this great time is um really, really validating. And and I'm I'm so proud of everyone involved in the process 
who we all collectively built these this experience so that he could have a good time. And so that's paid off is just is wonderful. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, Emmy nominated Jury Duty. It's the best eight episodes I've seen in a while. So congratulations to you, Nicholas. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for having me on to talk about it. Later this week on Thursday, we are going to get real with Emily Kimball. She is amazing. You've probably seen her in Shameless. Wu-Tang, Daisy Jones and the Six, and of course, she plays Seth Rogen's girlfriend, Peyton, in Platonic. But most importantly, Emily is here with us to discuss vintage clothing. Oh, and she gets into it. She's so knowledgeable, so fun, and so just energetic, you are going to love her as much as Claire and I do. So get excited, and we'll see you later this week on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.